If you've been with us, you know we started the series on James. And we started with James chapter 1 last week. So that's where we're headed again this week because I couldn't do it all in one week. Otherwise, it would take me too long and you guys would miss lunch and you probably is one of that either. So, um, But we started with James chapter 1. And James is one of those books, one of my favorites. I know, pastors are supposed to like all 66 books and we do. And I do love scripture, but James is one of those ones that I like. I really like teaching through it. I like reading it. I don't always like doing it. And that's kind of the thrust, though. James is very direct. He's very forward. He's very much, hey, you know what to do. You need to do it. And so some of you may remember the Nike commercial, Just Do It. So that's the title for today's message, Just Do It. Right? You know what you got to do. Just do it. Those are one of the words that my middle son used to hate to hear from his father. He would love to debate and argue and try to get out of things, and we would spend way too much time discussing something. And finally, I would just say, nope, you just need to do it because I said so. He hated that answer, but that trumped everything. And you know what? God's word's the same way. We can come up with reasons not to do things or try to find out that one exception, and maybe there's an out clause somewhere, but at the end of the day, we just need to do God's Word. And I know that sounds simple, but boy, is it hard to put into practice. So if you weren't here last week, I'm going to give you a little bit of a, a running start so that you can catch up, because I don't want you to miss anything. And Jerry, I know you weren't here, because I even teased him yesterday. I said he was in part of my message last week. So, um, But we talked about the differences last week about um, trials, um, we talked about consequences a little bit. We also talked about temptation, right? Trials come from, where do trials come from? Lord, thank you. I needed that. No, good, good. Some of you were here and were paying attention. That's good. But trials come from the Lord, and he gives them to us to help us produce perseverance. It's also an opportunity for us to show our faith. Our faith comes out. How we go through trials is a testimony to what we really believe. Now, temptation is a different animal. And we said, where does temptation come from? The evil one, exactly. In fact, but temptation, do we have to give in to temptation? No. And why don't we have to give in to temptation? Ike, help me out. Renee's smart. She was paying attention. Right? God provides a way out. Right? We may have to wait for that way out. We may have to look. It may cost us something to get to that way out, but there is a way out. The devil does not tempt us where we have to sin. We do not have to do it. There is a way out of it. We have choices. They're hard choices sometimes, but we, we have a way out. Right? So it's not going to give us more than we can bear. We can do this. Then we also talked about consequence a little bit, right? Sometimes the devil doesn't even have to work, let's be honest, right? Our own sin nature, our own selfish beings, we can sin on our own. I really think that. I mean, sometimes we, I think we give the devil too much credit because really we and ourselves can find ways to, to sin or to give in to our flesh. And so with that being said, there are consequences for that. And if you do something continually over, there's a consequence for that. Now, the consequences, we don't get to choose, right? We talked about that. We, we can choose to sin, but we can't choose the consequences. Ralph and I can be going down the highway. We can both be driving 70 and a 55, and 
you know what? Ralph gets the blue lights, and he has to pay the ticket. Charlie says, oh, Charlie, you're a good guy. You know what? We'll let you off on this one, and we'll, we'll, we'll let you go. I pull the pastor card, pull the, yeah. I worked for hospice for a while, and they said, well, just always use your hospice badge. That'll get you out of any ticket you ever need. No, it doesn't work that way. So, But we both did the same thing, right? We both could sin, but the consequences could be different, right? And if Ralph had more tickets than me or in his past or whatever, he may have to pay more, or he may, may cost him more in his insurance. But you get the idea, right? Both can pick the sin, but we don't, always get, we don't get to choose the consequence. More severe for others. I think sometimes God uses those consequences, though, to help bring us back. And sometimes those are more severe for others. Um, doesn't seem fair, but really they are, because God wants us to follow him and obey him. So that was kind of the premise. You still missed a lot if you weren't here last week, but that gave you a little idea of the beginning of chapter 1. So now we're going to start in James chapter 1, the second part, or B. And as I mentioned, just do it. So we're going to start with verse 19. And again, if you underline in your Bible or highlight, or if you have the inclination to actually memorize Scripture, these next two verses, highly recommend it. Right? It's highlighted in every Bible I have because, you know what, I'm still working on this lesson. So, my dear brothers, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. For the man's anger does not bring about the righteousness or the righteous life that God desires. That verse. And James even makes it a point here. He says, hey, take note of this, right? It's a, the equivalent of, hey, pay attention. This is important. If, you, if, if you've gone to sleep in my message right now, you want to be listening to this. This is something you can take. Quick to listen, right? How many times are we, are we not quick to listen, right? Someone once mentioned that God gave us two ears and one mouth, and we should use them proportionately, right? Listen twice as much as we speak. You know, there was a thing going on on Facebook a while back about um, listening with the intent of really hearing or listening with the intent to respond, right? Two different things, right? I know sometimes my wife wants me just to listen to her. She doesn't want me to fix it. She doesn't want me to help her. She doesn't want me to give an example from my life. She wants me just to listen to her. She wants me to get it all the way out. And I, I use my wife as an example because, A, she's not here, which makes it a little bit easier, although she'll probably listen to it and I'll be in trouble later. But the other reason is... Um, in a marriage relationship, she uses more words to get out. She's a woman. She, she tends to explain things better. and She's more detailed. So I need to listen. I need to work at that because if I get thinking of a response or where I want to take the conversation, I've missed out on a lot. So in relationship, and again, in this relationship, James is talking about just among each other. He's not even differentiating between um, believers and non-believers here. This works in any situation about being quick to listen. Right? It's so vitally important. Be quick to listen. To listen to what the person is really saying. Slow to speak. Right? Tend to slow down a little bit. Emotion. Do you ever have someone that's in a conversation and all of a sudden they say a word and it kind of triggers, triggers an emotion? Right? You kind of... It, it gets you. you, know, you know, all of a sudden your, your mind just goes in another direction. It's almost like a trigger word. You've been married, you get this, right? There are certain things you can say and just, you used to call it hitting the button, right? <laughs> pushing your wife's button or pushing your husband's button. So we have to be careful with that, right? We have to 
be slow in that. We've got to slow things down, slow the process down, slow to speak. It does a couple of things. Helps us formulate our words, help us get the emotions out, help us to speak correctly. Then he throws in this next section, slow to become angry. Right? Sometimes we just need to step back a little bit. And again, that's why I say those emotions get involved. And, and we, get, we get so angry. And again, what we do with that anger is important. It's not a sin to get angry, but we've got to be careful what we do with it from that point on. And again, in conversation, it's vitally important what we do with that. Interestingly enough, and just so you know, President Trump was actually in Manchester, New Hampshire, which is where I was flying out, but I missed him. I, he came in Thursday night. I didn't get there till Friday morning, so I just missed him. But I was laughing because as I was driving down, the radios on, in Maine were talking about Trump and, and, and all the things that are going on. And then I just had this momentary conversation in the car, but with myself. Yes, I was talking to myself. And I said, you know what? What if I did get a chance to meet President Trump? What would I say to him? And I thought of this verse. I said, oh, man, you know, he probably could use this verse. I don't know if you saw that on the news or not. And again, I'm not endorsing the candidate. I'm just saying what happened, right? He said something about a, a retired police officer who was actually getting some protesters to be quiet, and they ended up throwing him out. And he made a reference to his weight and how he's overweight and all that, right? And, and the retired officer actually took it pretty well. He says, yeah, I probably could use, lose a few pounds. But the media was playing up on the fact that Trump totally blew the conversation. He picked out someone that was in the, a group of people, and he made that statement, which had no bearing. In fact, the guy is a Trump supporter. And I said, you know, this verse would have been helpful to him in that situation. And again, as you know, he tends to tweet too much and, and say things that are inappropriately, and so he might be able to benefit from this verse. So I said, well, if I got to meet Trump, yeah, I think this would be one of the verses I might pull out to, to kind of help him a little bit. Not that he's calling me or asking me for advice, but... Anyways, just one of those thoughts that your pastor had while he was driving from Maine to New Hampshire. And if you ended the verse right there, there's enough right there. You know, if I just stopped here this morning and said, you know what, just do this, right? In your conversations, just do this. Be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. If, if you don't take anything else away, you could take that away and you could work on that this weekend. That would be pretty good. But I always put 19 and 20 together because... James gives us the reason for it. One thing to tell someone to do something, but sometimes we need the reason behind it. Because a man's anger just doesn't bring about the righteousness that God desires, right? When we're mad and we do things, it's not our best. You know, especially as a young, young man, I was one of those, I'll just confess right now, I was one of those stupid people that would punch a wall when I was mad. I'd get mad at something, and immediately the first wall I hit, or door, I would punch it with my fist. I learned how stupid that is in many ways. A, it hurts me. B, I've got to fix it. And C, it never brought about a good response from PJ or the kids or anyone else that was around me. And it wasn't the right, it wasn't righteous. It wasn't a good thing to do. But that was out of my anger, out of my frustrations. It was an immediate response. Again, it wasn't a good thing to show. And again, it doesn't always have to go to that extreme, but normally we are not at our best when we're angry. We normally don't respond best. I've been in enough confrontations. I've done mediation. It doesn't work well. When we're angry, in counseling, it's very difficult to counsel with someone if they're angry because they don't hear anything. They only want to get out what they want to get out, and it may be hurtful. It may be, yeah, it gets ugly quick. So again, that's not what God desires. 
Well, it's important as believers in Christ how we respond, how we deal with our anger. Like I said, I could stop right there, but I'm not. I'm going to go on a little bit more. Therefore, therefore, if you agree with that part, therefore, and again, you want to be a righteous man, God, this is what you want to do because this is what God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and evil that is prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. This verse gets misused a little bit about salvation and all that, but it's not really what James is talking about here, but he's talking about God's word that's implanted in you. And again, the thought here is like planted in your heart. It's deep where it takes root. And we joke about marinating on the God's word, but that's really the same idea is let it sink in. You're going to see in the next couple of verses, James doesn't want us just to hear the word. He wants us to do something with it. It should affect some change. It should help us in our walk as believers. And so it's that planting in you that he's talking about here. Let it drive into you deep. Again, what it saves us, it saves us troubles. It saves us conflict. It saves us our testimony. Save us our relationship with God. Right? Because when we're in sin, our relationship is broken with God. There's a lot of things that it can save us from. Not necessarily, you know, it's not talking about salvation. You can't lose that. Verse 22. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Just do it. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like the man who looks at it and yeah, looks at him in the mirror, looks at his face in the mirror, and after looking at himself, he goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. I always struggle with that because I think it probably pertains more to women, right? You, women tend to spend a little more time in the mirror than us men. Um, in fact, I, I checked with Amy. She wasn't sure about what, like colorblind. She said the dress was all right this morning because PJ didn't dress me. She's away on the mission trip. But look at the illustration he uses, right? You look in the mirror, you kind of have an idea. What you look at, you check yourself real quick before you go out, but then you kind of forget about it. It's quick. It has no impact on you, is really what James is saying here. And he says it shouldn't be that way with the Word of God. Right? We listen to it, and then we need to put it into practice. We need to do it. You know, I know many people that have read through the Bible, and, 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 but then there's areas of their lives they just haven't put it into practice, and it's Really like that, that image that you have, it, it's worthless. It, doesn't, it has no impact on you. It's always the hope of every pastor that somewhere in, in this, in passages and preaching, that somewhere you grab something and say, you know what, God's speaking to me, I need to do this. That's why we stick so close to God's word. So James gives a, a great illustration here. Um, I couldn't come up with a better one that this one works well. Other than I said I'd probably put women in there versus men, but you guys get the picture. But verse 25, but the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he heard, but doing it, he will be blessed in what he does. Again, it's not prosperity is what he's talking about here, but he's saying, hey, the more that we put that into practice, God's word, there's blessings that come with that. Things will be better. Your relationships will be better. You'll be a better testimony. You're not going to react in the wrong way when you get angry. Not consistently. I'm not saying you're not going to blow it once in a while, because we do that from time to time. We, 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 we don't do it right, but you know what? Not consistently. We repent, we get back on the right track right away. 
He says, put it into practice. There's blessings that come from that. Again, we talked a little bit about blessings from time to time, right? It's not always an immediate blessing. Maybe in the future, it may not be until the other side of glory, but there is a blessing that comes from obeying and doing God's word. Again, the law here, James is talking to a Jewish crowd. Remember, I mentioned that he's, he's got the Jewish mindset. So the law, and again, at that point in time, James is one of the early writings. The, the Bible hasn't been all put together yet, so the law is really the, encompasses the scriptures. That's what he's talking about here. So don't get hung up with the, the law. Again, they knew exactly. Jewish believers had no problem, all right? That's where the rules are. That's where things that we need to do, things we need to put into practice. So their mindset went right there. They didn't get hung up on, well, there's no grace and love. They, they understood that as well. But that's the perfect law. Again, Jesus taught a lot about that as well. Next verse. If anyone considers himself religious and his religion does not keep a tight rein on his tongue, he deceives himself and his religion is worthless. Remember, if, I told, if you heard last week, I told you James will circle on things, right? He'll, he'll bring up a topic. and circle. He's, he's setting us up, right? Our speech, our tongue. In fact, he devotes almost a whole chapter to our tongues and what can happen if we don't keep a control of our, our speech, our, our words. So this verse is kind of setting that up. It's coming up um, in a couple of weeks as we work through James here. But keeping a tight rein, but it, it affects our religion. If we say we're a believer and our talk doesn't match that, it's a poor testimony, right? You don't know the difference. It doesn't, it doesn't equate. It doesn't work well. Interesting, this word religion uh, comes up, and James uses it quite often. And as I was sitting in the airport, one of my planes was delayed. Actually, two planes on this trip got delayed, but I was sitting at one of them especially, and um, these two young guys sat next to me because they wanted to use the charger uh, for their cell phones. And I thought, well, you know, they're on their phones, they're going to be there. But this one young man looked up and says, hey, I noticed your, your pulse hat. Dave, I had my pulse hat on, but I also had my Word of Life um, alumni t-shirt on. But, so he knew just from those little things, he says, ah, you must have some faith. And I said, yeah. And I told him I was part of Christian Missionary Alliance. And he goes, oh, I haven't really heard of them. And he says, um, so what are the differences? And he didn't tell me exactly at first what he came from, what was his background. A little later on in the conversation, he came up with, he says, oh, I'm Catholic. And then he actually started telling me all the differences from his side. And it was interesting because we started up this conversation, and again, he's going to Penn State, he's a freshman, and he's struggling with the part of religion versus relationship. And so we sprung board into a great conversation about that. And I, I don't know where this young man is. And in fact, to be honest, I didn't even get his name. Um, he was going his different direction than, than me. But for at least 10 minutes there, we had a great conversation about religion versus relationship. And again, James, I think, is kind of alluding to that as well. We get religion and, and the formalities and all those things, but really it comes down to it's about the relationship. That's what's key. That's what's important. And is that relationship developing? Is it growing? And one way that is, is by our speech, how we talk, our tongue. Like I said, we're going to get into it. There's a lot, you know, chapter 3, if you want to read ahead, um, chapter 3 talks a lot about that tongue and our speech and um, how it can get us in trouble. So, religion, that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless and to keep us to look after orphans and widows 
in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. All right, two things out of this, right? Again, relationship. If I have a relationship with Jesus and I see people as he does, then my response is going to be different. So again, that's the difference between religion. Religion might say I need to do certain things or a protocol, but that's not a relationship. That's just blind obedience. He's saying, hey, there are some things that you can do that shows that you have a relationship with God. Interesting, he picks orphans and widows, right? Orphans and widows. What do they have in common, those two? Back in that day and even today? They're not wanted, right? What? Vulnerable? Yeah? They both have lost something. Both most likely are not going to be able to give you anything back either, right? Right? Most likely, they're not going to be able to ever pay you back. You're going to have to invest more in them than you'll ever get back from them. And again, they're a group that quite often are not um, represented well. Again, in this day, especially when this was written, this group, without family, were vulnerable to just death. I mean, just to survive was impossible almost for many of them. Family was key. The community was key. It was utterly important. These folks couldn't and just go out and get a job. It wasn't that easy. Most of them would have to sit at the temple and beg. That was probably the best case scenario. And again, if you're a woman, there was the other option of prostitution, but there weren't many options. This was a group that was very vulnerable, and again, the responsibility was for the church to take care of them. And he says, hey, you say you're religion and you say you love God, then these are the folks you need to take care of. These folks need help. Again, not just that. You can expand that. I had a dear brother of mine that actually started a ministry, and he, he based it off this verse, and he says, you know, Charlie, as I got helping just orphans and, and the widows, he said, then, you know, and again, he used other scripture to, to, to put guidelines. So he says, you know what? There's a lot of other folks that fall in that same category that are vulnerable. Aliens, people are coming, refugees, single moms, Single dads, I mean, he says, as I got going, disabled, veterans, you can go almost any direction with this. But again, the, having the eyes to see people and to help them is the basis for this. Don't miss the last part of this verse, though, because this last part is important as well. Helping them in their distress, but keeping oneself from being polluted by the world. Sermon right there. And just that, right? How much does the world influence us? And I say this, actually, even in the church today, in many instances, we've stopped helping people the way that we used to as a church family. We've gotten used to, well, hey, you know what? There's social services, or the county will take care of them. There's this program, there's that program, there's this organization. And I'm not saying this wrong with all those things, but as a church, we've missed out on a lot of opportunities because we haven't taken care of those folks. Someone who's been in the church a long time, that's just my observation. If I'm wrong, then correct me, but I really feel like sometimes in the church, through the years, we've missed out on some of those ministry opportunities and people to reach, because they said, well, hey, there's this service or that service, and hey, if you go over here, and again, that was helpful, but we missed the opportunity to come alongside them. The thing about widows, you know, how cool is an adopt a, adopted mother or adopt a, 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 even a younger lady and bring her into the family, have another sister, kids, right? Adoption, 
It's a great, you know, another opportunity for orphans. Taking care of folks, meeting some of those physical needs. So I just put that in there. Um, last part's an opinion of mine about the church, but I really feel like we have. We've missed out on those opportunities. So this is it. That's it for the day's message, but if you can't find something out of this to just do, if for nothing else, maybe our speech, right? Quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry, right? Maybe it was taking care of those that are in need, and that's an aspect of it, just doing it. Maybe it's God's Word. Maybe God's, you've read something, God's convicted, and you said, you know what, I know I need to do this, but just haven't put it into practice yet. Maybe it's a verse that you need to memorize. Maybe you need to take that verse, 19 and 20, and put those together. Maybe there's another verse. But there should be something in here that we all can take this morning and just put it into practice. Again, what we do and what we say and how we hold our emotions speaks to what we believe. And that's what's most important our testimony to the outside world. So just bow with me quickly. Gracious Heavenly Father, I do thank you for your word. I thank you for the blessing it is to read your word and to meditate on it, have it, and Lord, to put it into practice. Lord, help us if there's some area that we are uh, neglecting or that we just haven't done in a while. Forgive us. Lord, inspire us and encourage us. And Lord, just help us to do the things that we ought to do. Lord, we thank you for your blessings. And Lord, as we know that there are people around us who are lost and dying and in need, in real need of physical things, whether it be orphans and widows or singles or those in their grief, those in their poverty, those maybe that are in addiction, whatever the case may be, Lord, you help us not only to see them, but to have a love for them, to come alongside them, and to walk with them. Lord, may our testimony shine brightly. Lord, we love you and we praise you, and I just thank you for my church family. In Jesus' name, amen.